0: Welcome to Brindley, Brilliantly Uninformed. I am Michael Avery. This week, we are joined by... I I was telling Steve Sabatini that we're joined by the hardest working man in overstated groups. That's Dante Bri. What's going on, Dante?
1: Thank you for having me, Michael. What's going on?
0: Tell me about, real quick, before we talk to Stephen, about all the things you've been working on.
1: All right, so the podcast about everything um it's like my own show it's kind of like a long-form conversational style show i i will talk with literally anyone or anything michael you've been on that was a a really popular episode to to anyone yeah yeah. (laughs) 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 well people from the far left people from the far right um sports um i'm trying to get like a somebody who's like an expert on cryptocurrency to come on soon so there's that and then um then there's our show called The Outlaws Radio Show that I co-host uh, with my co-host Darvio and Robin. And that's mainly, I would say, to if you know The Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. that's kind of how we pattern our show after after that one. So that's fun, too. Um, and then hopefully maybe some some stuff in the future that I know you and I were talking about um steve i know we were talking about some stuff so hopefully maybe in the future we will have some other stuff going on too
0: yeah perfect and like always uh i'm joined by my co-host steven ryman what's What's up up, buddy
2: oh i'm just uh bundled up here i look like um tim allen and the santa claus i've got all the layers on because it's cold as shit here in houston how cold is it it's like 50 right now but that's cold for me (laughs) It's cold for me. I got sweatpants on. I got two jackets on. I'm freezing, but um, I just wanted to talk real quick before we got started. Um, yesterday, my daughter had her first basketball game. It's nice. very what excited. It.
0: They play? Do they even have positions? I guess <laughs> no, not That's at weird. all
2: yet. They're she's eight, so they're just kind of trying to figure it out. But mm-hmm. um, they sent us this list before we got started on the season of stuff she'd need. You know, the typical like you need shorts, you need a, a practice ball, you need Uh, shoes, that kind of thing. They also included a mouth guard. Now, this was a big deal for me. Like, I was looking at it, I was like, why on earth would a basketball player need a mouth guard? I played for years. I never needed a mouth guard. I never knew anybody who used one. So it became like a, not an argument, but it was like a back and forth between me and my wife. She was like, no, she needs a mouth guard. What if a ball hits her in the face? And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. then a ball hits her in the face. She's fine. So-
0: I think at that age, the ball can have enough force. That's what
2: I said. But, I mean, even when she gets older, I think we're raising... I know this is not news or anything. That's why it was more of a statement than a take. But I think we're raising too soft of a generation. And now we're we're seeing the results of it with a lot of these athletes right now.
0: Well, I do think it's better to be safe. But I also think at the time, in in COVID times, having a mouth guard makes it seem more troublesome to me. At least I, I feel like... Those things be in and out of their mouths and they're, they're going to be all over the place, you know. Oh, yeah. She and was then...
2: constantly taking it in and out, saying how uncomfortable it was. So, wasn't I'll... there
0: one player that used to like um, when he shot? Well, I know Steph would chew on it when he would shoot his free throws, right? Yeah. And then, since somebody used to put it behind their ear, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to hate
1: that. I, I know exactly who you're talking about, too. And that it, it just seems like it would be so disgusting to have to yeah. take the same ball and then it like, is. Said, like, we're in COVID. Like, I don't know if that's really what we want.
0: But, well, um, Steven, is this um, tied to any certain basketball players you might have on your mind right now? <laughs>
2: it may be a certain Mr. Irving that has been a topic of discussion in all of our groups that we follow.
0: Sure. I guess one of the biggest stories we should talk about, you being a Houston fan, is Harden getting traded to the Nets. So maybe just the Nets in general might be a good topic for us to talk about. Yeah.
2: I mean, I first off, I want to say how excited I am that the trade finally went through because mm-hmm. now I don't have to defend that man on, on social media every <laughs> time he does something stupid. Now I can just laugh at him like everybody else and mm-hmm. be mad. But now, I mean, we switched from that. Now we got Oladipo who doesn't want to be there, but I'd honestly much rather have somebody who wants to go to a different team than somebody who's actively like going out of his way to make it known that he doesn't want to be there like Oladipo
0: is just a little upset mm-hmm. and he's got value too where if they do just if it's like a blow-up situation yeah he gets you some more picks like you're just gonna be like okay see over there
2: yeah i mean we don't even have any good picks yet we have all of brooklyn's picks for like six years from now
0: but that's what they said about the celtics brooklyn trade and then turned into tatum and it turned into smart and turned into um jaylen brown
2: yeah yeah well, I mean, one can hope, but I haven't in my lifetime. I haven't seen us really draft anybody really good, except for Yao, which was a slam dunk. No pun yeah, intended. Yeah, I mean that was but, the first overall pick, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean we, that was guaranteed.
0: Yeah, Dante. I, I don't even know what basketball team did you root for.
1: I'm a Cavs fan, so okay. we were we were part of the trade. But I want to tell Steve, like, I mean, remember those picks are also assets. So who knows? when the next guy will become available that wouldn't mind playing in Houston, right? Like it's, well, you know, I don't know now with, with Fortita and yeah, you know, exactly. the organization's probably not as appealing as it once was, but I mean, I didn't think Harden would be that good when they traded for him. I mean, I thought he would be, I thought he had like an all-star capability, but I didn't think he'd be an MVP.
0: So, you, I mean, you never, you know, you never know. Right. And there are assets that you don't have to match up salaries for too. Yep. It's like almost like a free asset to move and I think Houston is probably a market that players – it's probably one of the top five markets I think that players would want to go to. It was, um, but so.
2: it was, but like Dante said, the, the Fertita factor is what's killing us right now. I mean, that's the main reason I want to – I would think that's one of the main reasons why Harden wanted to be out. And a mm-hmm. lot of the players want to be out is because they're tired of dealing with him. I mean, look what – I understand we had arguably a good haul getting, you know, what we got back for him but Mm -hmm. i still think that his his cheapness you know prayers up to Karis levert but he in all honesty like if you looked at it beforehand he should have kept levert because he's Mm -hmm. a more valuable piece you know yeah what happened is that what it was yeah Yeah, i would
0: have rather had levert too yeah obviously besides you know the recent news about levert that sucked but um dante what did what did the Cavs get out of this deal so they ended up getting Jared Allen, uh, more thinners for
1: us. <laughs> and, uh, also Torian Prince, um, which is you know I'm I'm okay with that actually. I mean I did not expect, and nor do I want us to really pay Drummond this mm-hmm. offseason. So I I get that. I wouldn't even you know if he continues to play well. I mean he just had like a 30-20 game the other day yeah. against New York. So if he continues to play well, last year of a deal, I would hope that maybe a team that maybe would want to send would be would overpay I I don't see it the Cavs essentially got him for a bag of basketballs and you know nothing else last year so I wouldn't expect us to be able to move him for anything valuable but I mean Allen is only 22 um he is a good rim protector he's a good screener good role man and he fits the timeline with with Sexton and Garland and Okoro and KPJ so I'm excited about About that, it's it's kind of exactly what we needed.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I think that Drummond. I do think he has increased his value from I think he came over over from Detroit, and I would much rather have Allen at his contract than Drummond at his contract. So if they could get any sort of asset for him, if if you know the trade deadline comes and they don't think they're in the race, I would totally move him for any sort of asset I could get.
2: Yeah, and all you gave up for him was. Was a first from the Bucks in like 2022, so it's not like yeah. they gave anything up. It was
0: yeah. And now with J- uh, Giannis resigning, that that pick's going to be garbage. Yep. So that's yeah. what I was talking to one of my friends about. We were like, uh, that Giannis,
1: that Bucks pick is not as valuable anymore with Giannis resigning. Now, had he not resigned, it wasn't really heavily protected. Mm-hmm. So because we got it in like the Kyle Corver, George Hill deal, so it wasn't. I mean, it was protected. It was, I think it was, like, lottery protected for yeah. the first couple of years, and then it, the protections fell off. But had Giannis left, that pick becomes incre- in, increasingly valuable. But with him staying, it's bottom of the first round. It's a crapshoot.
0: Yeah. What do you guys think about the newly formed big three of the Nets? What, how do you think the Nets are going to react to the acquisition of Harden? Uh,
2: I, I mean, I think they'll – So I think they'll be great for playoffs. They're kind of like when we talked about the Celtics a few weeks ago with Derek, how they're they're very top-heavy with Mm -hmm. Harden, Durant, and Kyrie, but they pretty much just decimated their bench in order to get Harden. So Mm -hmm. during the regular season, especially this regular season where teams are really struggling to even get enough guys on the court, it should be interesting to see how many games – Uh, you know, how well they do during the regular season. Now, the playoffs, I think they're going to do great if everybody shows up and everybody's
0: healthy still. but Dante, do you think that Kyrie finishes the team, finishes the season on the Nets?
1: Oh, boy. Um, That, who knows what, like, that is one of the most bizarre stories Mm -hmm. in an absolutely, like, bizarro last 18 months, right? Like, he Mm -hmm. just, they're like, hey, where's Kyrie? can somebody call him and they call him and he's like, like, yeah, I'm not showing up tonight. Mm -hmm. Why? I don't feel like it. Like that of all the weird Kyrie stuff, that's really odd. And then to see him, I have no idea. I think Harden, Durant, if they were to get moved, let's say they move Kyrie. I don't Mm -hmm. think they will, but let's say they did and just put, Put like shooters and three and D guys around them. I think that is incredibly scary because
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Harden as the number one guy has had playoff failures before we know that Mm -hmm. he does become a worse player in the playoffs. It it just is what it is, but having him essentially as kind of back in his OKC role where he's just a playmaker and he can score when necessary, but really just get guys open shots and, and keep Durant fed. I mean, that, him in that role is is terrifying.
0: Yeah, I think it's a weird fit with Kyrie in the mix because th- all three guys are ball dominant. So moving Kyrie for someone like or like a handful of like you said 3 and D guys, shooters, I think that would be the best fit for them, add depth. And I I feel bad for Kyrie. Like I, I know he's like a laughing stock by a lot of people that we talk to, but I see a lot of like Kanye um <laughs> Like, on my well, <laughs> I, I just see a couple, like, signs of that, like, not necessarily mentally well. And I, he hasn't said anything that crazy, but he went from, like, being eccentric to almost, like, being, like, off the deep end, which, which like, troubles me in a way where, like, I pity him more than I, like, joke about him, if you know what I mean. And I might be off. I, I don't know the situation well enough. I might be off with the, the um, Kanye comparisons, but I just see like a similar like arc i i wonder
1: if he is bipolar um because i remember even stories like that last year when he was with the Cavs and they were like when Kyrie was engaged he was you know he was ready to go he was cool but then he would go weeks without Mm -hmm. speaking to anyone i mean he Mm -hmm. would show up to practice practice hard i mean obviously he's a a great player but then like he just wouldn't talk to anybody i remember Mm -hmm. richard jefferson and lebron talked about how weird it was that he didn't talk to anybody in the playoffs. And then after the, that playoff run, he gave like this five minute rant about how awesome LeBron was and how mm-hmm. great it would be to learn, how great it's been to learn from him and how he couldn't wait to grow. And remember when they walked off the court after Golden State, LeBron and Kyrie, they were like, we'll be back. We're going to get these guys. That was the first Durant Curry championships. And, and it was like, wow, he, like maybe we're going to actually have something. And then less than six weeks later, he was gone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just like, I don't know. I've, I, might side with you there mike where it's like i don't know maybe there is something
0: undiagnosed there that we don't know and i you know i have some friends in the boston sports media and it was it was kind of the same thing where one day he would say all the perfect things that you want to hear and then the next day he would just say the complete opposite or you know he would base i don't know it might be based on what he would hear in the media like if he had a bad day Um, It With the media, then the next day he would either come and say the complete opposite or he would just go totally off the edge about something completely different. So so I kind of see what you're saying. Um, And I don't know. When I see a player like that, I think, like, if you have to take, you know, three weeks off to take care of yourself and it can get you back to your best headspace by playoffs, like, you almost have to say, do what you got to do.
2: Yeah, but everybody said that <clears> – <throat> I mean, I don't know if it ever was confirmed. They said it was because of the, the capital storming is the reason he he wanted to take off because he was real concerned about it. Mm-hmm. But then they showed him at his – what was his sister's birthday party? Yeah. So I don't know how much of it is actually, like, it, 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 people reading too much into it, giving him too much credit for I
0: – I, I can relate to, like, being very too – conscious of the world surroundings for my own good but like with him it's always something like it was the capital um it was for a while it was covid for a while it was protests for like in those like those are all good causes but if he's not doing anything to um like he's not speaking about the causes really he's not i know right part he's high in the player association but like if if these things upset him he has such a good platform to make a difference, and I know everyone copes with stuff differently, but he has a platform that I, if these are things that are bothering him, he could still sit out, but I wish he used his platform to the advantage of that.
2: Right, like how le- last year, I mean, LeBron, you know, th- anytime something happens, they go to LeBron and get his opinion of it, mm-hmm. and he always has something to say, and it's usually, you know, he, he usually gets it pretty well, but I think when they go to Kyrie, he a lot of the times is, is I think he tries to act smarter than you know he tries to portray an image of being a lot smarter mm-hmm. he likes to be seen to as, compensate. as a
0: deep thinker as the yeah. smartest person in the room and you know on some things he might be like i'm um, obviously basketball eyes he's he's a genius um in yeah. some topics he might be very well versed in but i think he wants to be the smartest about everything and yeah be seen as a deep thinker when we're not always asking for that and he he could pick and choose the right times to do that and i he kind of doesn't
2: well they yeah. give him that they give him the platform to do it like what do you think about this and he you know right now is the perfect opportunity to speak and he's just silent on it and he says I'm not talking to anybody
0: when he left the Celtics um the last he had a sit down he had like a season exit interview with um coach Stevens and coach like asked him you know what he thought like going into next year and stuff and all Kyrie did was he asked him what does government mean to you? <laughs> like Stevens had no <laughs> idea what what to say to that, but he like he was obviously trying to get to a bigger point. But as far as, far as Stevens said, like he he didn't go anywhere with it. He was just trying to like I don't know, drop some big thing for Stevens to think about. I guess I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. it's just a funny anecdote. Yeah. It's... Anything else you guys want to talk about NBA wise before we move on to less serious matters?
2: Yeah, I want to talk about the uh, lap band surgery that James Harden had that worked within a day, because you look at the pictures of him in Houston in the the fat suit that he's got on in the blue uniforms, and he, like like Simmons called him, he looked like Kimbo Slice. He nicknamed mm-hmm. him Jimbo Slice. He was huge. And then they show him warming up for the Nets game, and he looks like he did whenever he first got traded to the Rockets, coming over from the Thunder. What's...
0: With- the pictures on the rockets were those ones from like the very beginning of the season, or were they like very recently?
2: They were like the game before he got traded. The last. Oh really? Yeah. So I did last...
0: see the pictures, but I figured it was the beginning of the season because I thought maybe this came out of shape. Even even if it was
2: the the ones at the beginning of the season, it hasn't been that long. He shouldn't. Yeah, have... what, were you gonna say something,
0: Dante?
1: The one in the powder blue uniform that was when they played the Lakers.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: the, that's the picture when they I saw. The, yeah. The Lakers. That was like. Last week, he yeah, it was huge. And so, yeah. I thought that maybe he just wore like heating pads because I know LeBron and some other guys were like heating pads while they warm up, but mm-hmm. then he didn't have them on when they played against Brooklyn. So, I was like, I, I have no, I'm, I have to chalk it up to maybe he just has a weird body type. I
0: I don't know, it looks like he was smuggling yeah. pillows under his jersey. It's those, those slimming Nets colors, you know. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> well, I, I know, Dante, I know you're a baseball fan. Steven, I'm actually not sure. Are you a baseball fan? Absolutely, yeah, it's my first so, sport. I don't know if you have seen off-season pictures this year, but Vlad Guerrero Jr. had the exact same transforma- transformation. Of course, he had all off-season, but like, he was bigger than Harden was, and he looks so ripped right now. I'm so excited to see. I, first of all, I have him in my dynasty leagues, but nice. I'm just so excited to see him like, tear for baseball being in amazing shape. I'm terrified then because as a, somebody in the ALE, a fan of
1: an ALEs team, I, I'm not excited to see Vlad reaches full potential. That team's going
0: to be so good in the next few they years. Are. They and, really are.
2: And if they can sign Springer, it's going to be even it's going to be even scarier.
0: Mm-hmm. And I do I am kind of jealous that your Yankees signed Kluber because that's what the Red Sox need is a veteran starter that can just pitch that's on a one-year contract. I don't know why they didn't offer him 15 million or whatever, but that that was a really good signing.
1: Super low risk because it's only one year. Super high reward. I mean, he's only pitched like thirty-three, thirty-six and a third uh, since eighteen. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I, I have no idea where he is physically. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, he's thirty-four, so we're not expecting to get Cy Young, Corey Kluber. But I mean, if he can give us, if he can be like a solid number three, I'm I'm okay with that. Like, I'm really cool with that. The Yankees, the Yankees have a lot of question marks in the rotation after mm-hmm. Cole. Um, even when Severino gets back, I mean he's coming off of Tommy John, so you're gonna have to ease him back. He'll probably be on an innings limit. So, I mean I, you know they need something. I mean I'm sure we will trust the kids at some point, but I mean I'm fingers crossed for Kluber. But yeah, I, I would prefer to to let us take that risk instead of having him go
0: to a division rival for sure. The division's gonna be really interesting with the Yankees, with the Blue Jays, and then you know the Rays trading Snell, but you know, raise to raise things and they always find a way to make it work. So I think those three teams can be really fun to watch, like going head to head.
2: Yeah. Definitely. Do the Yankees Definitely. still have, uh, do they still have Paxton?
1: He's a free agent right now. And oh, okay. So they, I don't know if they're going to bring back, back him or Tanaka. I know what the, the strategy for the Yankees is to, this year we had 35 million come off the books and then they re-signed Lemayhew. Oh yeah, he gets that so the, big deal. Yeah, so like, but it was still kind of team friendly because it was six years for 90, so it's about 15 per year. And then they signed Kluber to a one year deal because next year the Yankees are going to have, I think, about 80 million coming off the books. The Ellsbury contract's done, they're they're just going to have a ton of money off the books. Oh, (laughs) wow, and they're going to have to re sign Judge and maybe Sanchez, depending on where he's at. But other than that they're going to have about $100 million to spend. And, you know, next summer is the summer of shortstops. So Mm -hmm. this is really going to be like a year to see, like, can Glaber be good enough defensively to man shortstop long term, or are the Yankees going to go out and buy a shortstop? And I hope that's the option because I want your guy in Houston. I want Correa.
2: No, that's not happening. There's a reason we let Springer go is so we could sign Correa. They made a choice. They decided between Correa and Springer and I think they made the right choice. Correa, Correa when Correa's so. on, he's he's probably top 3 shortstop in the league, I'd say. But the, probably. But the problem is that he's he's not always on. Like he he has he has freak accidents all the time. Like he's when he first came up, he broke his ankle and then he's he's had all kinds of just weird injuries, not nagging stuff, but it's always it's always one thing after another. And then he finally turns it on, you know, more towards the playoffs. But I don't – I mean, I don't expect us to contend anytime soon. I think our window is closed now that we're letting Springer go. We got rid of Cole. We didn't, we didn't even attempt to try and re-sign him. Verlander's got maybe a year or two left in him, I think. And Altuve is, was just a shell of himself last year. So we'll see. I mean, I, I – we got our World Series, so I'm happy about it. I waited my whole life for that. What, n- No matter what people say about it, I got my World Series, and I'm happy about it.
0: Yeah, man, don't let the, don't let the haters get you because I'd rather – like I think I might have said this with something else, maybe the Patriots or something. Like, I'd rather get caught cheating and win than not get caught and lose because everyone's doing shady shit, so we might as yeah. well win.
1: exactly. <laughs> I mean – yep, When everybody, everything came out about the sign stealing, and I was like, one – why weren't we doing it too then? The Astros <laughs> have beaten us twice, and the Red Sox ended up beating us in that like that three-year span. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe you guys should have been doing it too. And then, I, I mean, you know, it's baseball, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's always been the old adage in baseball, if you if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So, exactly. Like, Sign-stealing, I mean, okay, they're using technology. But it is what, I mean, come on. Everybody's
0: doing something. Exactly. You know, all the haters can't take away the joy of, like, the, the championship, so... Oh, that was that gets
2: you. probably the greatest yeah. night of my life uh, whenever we went. Me and my dad were watching that together. And we've always watched baseball growing up, like, every single night, 7 o'clock. Astros game's on. It's on in the house. So we always grow up watching it. And we always, like, we'd come close, like, the year we played the White Sox and got swept. And in the late 90s, we had some good teams. But it was always, like, the the Astros never had a shot in our mind. So that mm-hmm. was, it was, yeah, the best, probably the best night of my life when we finally
0: won. So since we were talking about um, Harden losing the weight drastically, it kind of segues into, I guess, twofold into to this other story. And it's kind of a follow-up on what we talked about before. And, um, you know, we talked about this New York medic who got doxed by um, New York Post for also having an um, OnlyFans page. Mm-hmm. It's only fans, right? Did I say it backwards? I have no no it no,
2: you gotta write this down. <laughs> yeah.
0: Only fan it this it seems like it should be called fans only. The, but whatever. <laughs> only fans. Um and you know, I kind of had a popular not necessarily in the, in the positive way, post about how I, I like have feelings about people like ripping on Harden for um like strip clubs and stuff. Yeah. And this there's this woman who, speaking of Harden losing weight, she's a life coach. And she used to be a pastor, but she became a life coach slash stripper on OnlyFans, and she now makes $100,000 a month. And this is much different than the New York Post story before, because this lady is publicizing it. She's like, she's very proud of what she is. And I think when you and I have talked before, Stephen, we're both very um, body-positive, sex-positive people. Like We, we yeah. don't knock people for any sort of work like this. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. I, I guess it kind of ties into the story we talked about before, where the girl was doxxed and turned into a villain, where the same publication is turning this lady like into a hero. So I don't know if either of you saw this story, if you had thoughts on it.
2: Yeah, I looked at it. Um, I meant oh, to sure say. you did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> no, I did not look at it, if my wife is listening. Um, <laughs> no it it it's real interesting because she's she's kind of taking it and it's not because when you first hear about it you're like oh wow it's crazy some preacher is is now a, a sex worker but if you look at it it's really that's like the least thing that she's she's talking about she's really preaching about the body positivity mm-hmm. basically telling people to be happy with what they have um and to not be ashamed don't let society tell you that it's wrong to show off your body and whatnot so I think it's honestly, it's really good, but it, I think the difference in the two stories is that the, the medic did try and hide it yep. so that they could, you know, it kind of made them, it gave them the opportunity to shame her for it. Whereas this lady was like, no, you can't shame me for it. I'm happy about what I'm doing. I'm making, I'm a millionaire from this.
0: Yeah. And this is her full-time job where is the medic, she wanted to keep her job. I I don't know if she did keep it. I know she had a meeting with her bosses after we talked about the story. I don't know the result, but. You know this this woman you know i don't have a problem with this at all but i reading about her i have more problems with the church because she left the church because they had problems with with her lifestyle not like the sex work but just like the sex positivity um you know she admitted that she was a bisexual she had a multi-race family and like the church was like giving her all sorts of trouble like they didn't want her to preach anymore and they were cutting parts putz- her um, broadcast part—what um, are they called? Sermons. They cut parts out of it because they didn't want her to talk about that stuff. Um, and like, I went and I looked at her site for research purposes, <laughs> and it—no, <laughs> it is all like you know, um, feel safe and self-expression, totally freedom, be free with who you are. And like, she coaches people to to have a positive lifestyle, and it's not just positive positivity in you know, nudity or whatever. That's how she, that's how she finds it in her life, but she doesn't necessarily push everyone towards that, like just finding positivity and things that bring your life. Don't be shamed about doing the things that you love and the things that make you happy or the things that make you be able to afford a a lifestyle of whatever you want.
2: Yeah. She's like a hot Tony Robbins
1: yeah <laughs> is, that, is that the way hey if it works i mean it's worked for tony robbins right yeah exactly yeah.
0: so um so that also kind of ties into censorship which is has been a big thing that we've seen uh, everywhere in the last couple weeks ever since basically trump got banned from i'd say like the biggest couple Everything. yeah social media sites yeah there was like a picture and it that showed like I don't know, 12 different things. He was banned from, like, Shopify, which I don't even know what that is, like Spotify. <laughs> I don't think he's on Spotify, but he got banned from everything they, that They kicked has... him off of
1: Pinterest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, yeah. Can you even be dangerous on Pinterest? What, <laughs> what do you think is <laughs> on his Pinterest board? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know. <laughs> so, I, I also, I did listen to um, your show, Dante. You had on, I'm sorry, I forget his name. But oh, he...
1: um yeah, so we
0: had on Keith Hansen. Yeah, yes, yes. Who's a prominent right-wing talk show host? Yes. Oh, wow. And he has a, a national show, and he has a local show to, is it Detroit? Um, he's, so his local show, he's based out of uh, out of New Hampshire. Oh, that's right. I should know that, because I used to live in New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he, so I did have a lot of issues with what he said, but I, he did talk about censorship a lot. But what, what are your guys' thoughts on the, um, the banning of Trump from Twitter and Facebook.
1: Do you want me to go first, Steve? or you want Yeah, to yeah, to... you, you go, go ahead. For Dante. So my thing with it is what what is the guideline here? Because it kind of seemed arbitrary.
0: Mm-hmm. And this
1: isn't really to defend Trump. It's more to, like, if we're going to have the Ayatollah of Iran on, and, you know, he can talk about killing Jews and gays and Muslims, you know, that, and then we can have, like, people from the Kremlin and then people from the defense part of the CCP, like where what is the line here? And so also if I say something and it leads to something, is that is that what will get me banned if, if we're saying that Trump incited um, a coup? Or like can I say, you know, let's all kill Jews. If no Jews die, like is that less bad because it didn't lead to anything? Like I, I don't it, – it, it's a a lot of gray area Mm -hmm. and then to me also it it kind of just illustrates how much power the tech industry has yep where i'm like as somebody who is fiscally conservative and i'm like it's a private business but then i'm like all right do they have way too much power here because i think they swayed the election in 2016 right like Mm -hmm. trump got a lot of free press based on his twitter account which led to like if he tweeted something crazy um it's gonna lead to all the cable news stations talking i mean it's it's free press for him which i think helped him win so he learned how
0: to work the system perfectly with that
1: it was incredible and so i'm like if he you know like if they have influence with elections and then they can essentially like kick off a sitting president while he's still in office we need to actually look at the power that they have and say all right i mean you know because when we think about it google facebook twitter and youtube essentially
0: dominate the internet Mm -hmm. and i think google owns youtube right yep so it's even like the the same couple companies steven what are your thoughts um
2: well it's kind of on the same vein as dante i agree but at the same time they're also they are a private business but they're also a publicly traded company you know, I think for the most part, all of those companies are so they they don't have just it's not just Zuckerberg making the decision like oh I don't like this guy, they also have to read the reaction around the world. Now you're not getting obviously in this part of the world. You're not. Do
0: you not, mean I'm I'm sorry. Do you mean like to for their stockholders? Or? Yeah, yeah, okay. for their
2: stockholders and their board, and, um, all that. Um, you're not gonna see as much outrage about like the ayatollah. Um, saying things like that about the Jewish people. I mean, you have to be pretty plugged in here in the Western world to know about that kind of stuff. It's not something that gets passed around on Twitter or on Fox News or CNN or whatever. But Trump is like, he's on every single cover. Like, you pull up, you go anywhere on the Internet, there's going to be something about Trump. So I think he gets a lot of negative press, and I think that's a lot of it is people on Twitter driving a lot of the narrative so if he has a uh, a big negative narrative towards him, they're going to have the pressure to want to ban him.
0: Well, let me ask you guys something. Um, so I did, I did. I have a couple articles that I'm going to reference after we talk about this. But um, so, the strongest um, recruitment tool that ISIS has is social media. So they have got banned from, like, any time that there's an ISIS leader or they they notice that somebody's like trying to recruit. Of course. There's a lot of like, um, slyly doing it as a as a fake persona and stuff. But when they see someone trying to recruit towards terrorist organizations, those people do get banned. Do you think that is okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, what? Who decides what's the difference between them recruiting terrorists toward? In the difference between like Trump inciting a terrorist attack, I get. Th- I think. Debatable is the level of his incitement of it. But like, I guess who decides where the line is? Is it just the. That's
1: that's where I'm like, I don't, you know, like this is very, very great. Like it becomes so, it it really does become about essentially a few people who own these companies or at least the majority of these companies making that decision. And I'm just, my thing going forward is like, how are we okay with that?
0: Yeah, because if so, that
1: if, if we are, then that's fine. I mean, these these are not you know this isn't a First Amendment violation. Mm-hmm. Nobody's rights are being violated here. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some like at some point, w- where is the line? That's yeah. all I really want to know. I
0: do think it's different, and people are making this false equivalency that it's like the same as the bakery not baking a cake, where mm-hmm. I think if the bakery was writing on the cake, you know, let's go kill some jews that would be different than saying happy happy wedding to adam and dave you know what i mean like i think it's different where you know they're both private businesses but one that could be seen as inciting violence and one that's just i don't want to i don't believe in that person's lifestyle in my opinion are totally different um topics but do you but when you Sorry. No, oh, I was sick? just
2: gonna. Do you think that Trump actually incited violence, or was he just a snot-nosed kid in a movie theater yelling fire?
0: Well, I think if you look at the big picture, he did where he he told the people to be there. Like the 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 crowd gathered there because he told them to be there. And then the type of language he led leading up to it, tied to the language he used during the event, kind of connects the dots. Where like, um, you know, when Michael Cohen testified, he um. He, test- he was Trump's, you know, fixer. He testified about how, when Trump wanted you to do something, he wouldn't blatantly say, "I want you to, you know, go," and I mean, not kill anybody, but let's just say he wouldn't say, "I want you to go kill this person." He would say, "I want you to go take care of this," and people that listened to his rhetoric enough knew what that meant. Where in these types of instances, he was saying all these things about, you know, when he sends emails, it's like, "Join the Trump army," you know, "We must fight." We we can't let like radicals take over and then when he tells people to come he tells them that let's march to the capital we are going to do this when first of all he didn't he already knew ahead of time he was going to be allowed to go with them he's like we need to fight we need to you know take action those are all like trigger words for people that are already have on their mind that they might want to act out so it's like it's not a baby yelling fire it's a baby um, pouring gasoline on people that are carrying matches like he poured the ma- the gasoline on the floor and then they're carrying matches and maybe a match will drop you know what i mean
1: i agree with mike on this one and it's it's odd because i I, we, I was just talking about this where it's like trump knows trump i don't i think trump is actually a really smart guy and i think he knows how to get to that line without crossing it so he still has some oh like legally possible. yeah yeah so Remember the one speech where he gave, uh, this was during the 16 campaign right before, this was maybe like a week before the election, and he was giving a speech and it was a a Trump rally, and he said, I don't know, Hillary wants to take your guns. I don't know, maybe you Second Amendment people might need to do something about that. Maybe you need to do something about her. That to me is like, okay, I'm going right up to the line Oh, no, I meant to. if something bad were to happen, if somebody were to say, yeah, we need to take Hillary down and maybe take a shot at her, Mm -hmm. he Mm -hmm. could always say, no, I meant they should go vote. But it's like, what does what what are you saying? And so I I think it's a lot of a lot of that with Trump, even with like the hey, looting leads to shooting. It's like, all right, I get what you're saying here. And you may not know the history behind this, but you should stop. Like, that's where I think Trump yeah. he gets he, to me. He brings a lot of stuff on himself because he just he he's one of those people that just talk too much. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, you, you know, you ever where it's like, OK, maybe you it's like, OK, you're talking to people about the Second Amendment and you want to let but you go with, uh, hey, maybe you guys need to do something. You know that part of your base is on the fringe. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. not the whole part of your the whole of your base, but there are some loonies in your base as it with every don't say stuff like that.
0: That's a really good point when you talk about like the stuff he was saying in 16. I remember um he in in like two different parts of speech at one point he'll be talking about like there was um reporters and there was also protesters where he's like, "Oh, in the old days, you know, we would know what to do with them. We would rough them up." And then later in the speech he's talking about you know, let's go back to the old days. Let's make America great again. And he's kind of like tying these two, using the same terminology in two different parts of the speech that are kind of tying together, like, you know, it was okay when we used to rough people up that disagreed with us and stuff like that. So that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, one thing I, from my point of view, uh, I used to work for a couple different media companies and I also used to run a, a pretty popular blog and there was kind of different rules for the different things. For a blog, I couldn't be held accountable for what people put in the comment section. But when I ran a TV station, we had this TV station that played in bars and across the country and people could text to it and it would be like a giant chat room, they could send pictures up. And you know, we at a certain point we had to hire moderators because we could be held liable for things that people said on that site, whether it's um, disparaging towards a certain person or even if it's like um, gathering groupthink in a way that would like incite something, um, so we so we had to live by those standards, and you know we had a couple people that threatened lawsuits. One of them was a, a famous athlete. I can tell you guys off the air. <laughs> okay. Um, but like that's something that a media company is is liable in there. Are, there is a law I'll talk to you guys about soon. But like there's liability behind that for the for the media company too, and even if you don't think they're they could be held guilty they can still be brought to court and have to pay these legal fees and stuff and get tied up in court before it's decided that they're not guilty in that
2: yeah but i mean i think a lot of the uh, just to play devil's ag- advocate sure. here that's why I'm, we're here yeah yeah um so i yes they ban a lot of they banned trump they uh, they banned it who is it ron paul or Rand paul that just got banned too out of nowhere
0: i, I think it's the sun but i forget which one that is yeah
2: me too <laughs> Um, but I mean,
0: they they've banned over a hundred thousand people.
2: Yeah, and then they just took Parler off of all their servers. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we've talked about this many times on this show the the Twitter the Twitter mob that goes after people for whatever reason, and they're more they're typically more left leaning, and so they can go on there and accuse somebody of you know name your your crime, but basically those people immediately get shit on, and there's no. There's no repercussion for somebody going on Twitter and saying something like that without but any th- kind of evidence.
0: I do think there's a difference between me and you tweeting and then the president tweeting, wh- who's someone who is held in a yeah, but uh, it's not just responsible him. position.
2: But it's not just him. It's all it's there's like you said, a hundred thousand people getting banned all over.
0: Yeah, and I I so that's the thing that I think that Dante is coming to. Like, wh- where's the line? Yeah, um, and I mean these people obviously they signed user agreements and stuff but that's also pretty vague on you know what they it's like what if we see something that we deem inappropriate we get rid of it like that doesn't necessarily give you you know might say violence and stuff but so there was a report done by a democrat um Ciceline. i don't remember what state he's in actually let me think but anyways he's a, he's a congressman and he's the chair of the house judicial committee he put this 450-page report together about the power that these tech companies have, how they exploited the marketplace in like any competitive ways like you were talking about. And the whole time, McConnell refused to bring it to the Senate floor. Like, they, they have – they've had possibilities to do these things. And just McConnell's – he just doesn't want to do anything. <laughs> uh, I know that's simplifying it, but, like, they – it's easy – they – he specifically, Trump specifically, they like to complain about stuff where they could change these things and they don't, so they can keep complaining about it and feel like a victim, I feel. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the story of
1: politics, right? Like, <clears throat> so oh, yeah. you know, like each side, I, I almost think it's it's like, do you actually want power? Because the side that's not in power can just complain about the other side, right? It's yeah, like exactly. Heard about, <laughs> yeah. You know, Democrats the last four years, like, we want this, 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 and this and you know, to change and then i'm assuming going forward now that, that not much will change yeah All the legislature that you it won't same thing for republicans hey you know trump's got the the white house we've got congress like we're gonna make some sweeping changes and then nothing right, right. because it's it's they just want the illusion to be able to do something right and, mm-hmm. and it's that's the thing that I hate most about our government, where it's like, you guys don't actually really want to do anything. You just want to make sure that you can continue to get elected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because McConnell, I mean, they, there have been multiple opportunities to work together, to compromise. It's, no, it's not going to happen. And the Democrats are going to do the same thing. Yep. They, they never, because at the end of the day, they're not really focused on their constituency, which is us. They're, they're not.
0: Mm-hmm. They, you know, they have this thing called Section Two Thirty, and it was passed in the '90s, and mm-hmm. they've updated it. I don't know how many times, a lot, but it basically um, gives computers freedom. Um, computers, sorry, computer companies, internet companies, freedom from being prosecuted, but it leaves out specific things where it's like um, copyright, obviously, sex work-related material. So I don't. I assume that's like child porn. I don't know. And or no, they should be held liable for that. Or maybe it's just like sex work and then violations of federal criminal law. So that's something that, like, they can make the case that Trump violated federal law if they can, if they believe he incited this violence. And they've tried to update this and they just keep fighting back and forth. Like, McConnell wanted to try to um, use part of this to stop the two thousand dollars like part of the nego- negotiation was like parts of the section 230 when they could just do that on their own instead of trying to like you know stick it into bills to, to cause a fight and even zuckerberg came out and he about 230 and he said like he wants his company to have more restrictions he doesn't want to have to make these decisions because they make it so much easier for him and these company they these politicians they still won't they still won't do anything when it's like bo- I feel like both sides agree and they're still they both want to be the victim. Like Dante was saying, both sides are going to do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, they can agree. I mean, that's that's kind of a common thing is you think. I, I, I can't think of it right now at the top of my head, but there are things that I talk about with with buddies of mine. And I'm like, why isn't that legal or why hasn't that been changed? Everybody wants that. You know, there's no reason to not have it. But they just don't go through it because it gets, like you say, it gets stuck in another bill for, you know, let's say like universal health care or whatever gets brought to the floor and then it gets struck down because there's something else in that bill that they don't want in there.
0: Yeah, like McConnell, McConnell, McConnell saying basically like we're not going to – like we're going to do $600 instead of 2000 mm-hmm. if we include this you know, change to 230 when we could just do this change to 230 because – I don't know. It's like giving up. They feel like giving up one thing that they can later use in negotiation is like a loss when giving up this one thing might be what both sides want. But they see it as a bargaining chip. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: that's exactly what it is. And then, you know, it seems like instead of playing to the majority of the base, they all both sides always play to the loudest section of the mm-hmm. base. So like, you know, you'll have the far left that's like, we don't want to compromise with, with Republicans and Mm -hmm. they'll essentially, you know, like, you'll hear stuff like Joe Biden is essentially a Republican. No, he's he's not. (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) Same thing on the far right, where it's like, oh, McConnell better not, um, you know, they'll they'll paint somebody who's been, for the majority of his career, he's just, I mean, he's left of center, but he's as close to a centrist as you're going to get they'll try to paint Joe Biden as if he's Bernie Sanders or AOC, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, he's not. So yeah. any sort of compromise between Mitch and, say, a Biden administration will be seen as, well, you're kowtowing to the socialist, right? And so, like, McConnell, maybe a good section of Republicans will want that, but he's listening. He, you know, what's on social media, what's the loudest voice that he hears? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's why I think we never really get anything done
0: he's like so good of a politician that he's a bad politician (laughs) where like (laughs) he knows how to work the system and he knows like i said everything's a bargaining chip so much that he doesn't do anything because doing anything might cause him to lose leverage (laughs) like yeah it's crazy
2: if you go like you go online even in our illegal defense group if you go on there i've gone on there a couple times and said the dirty words that i'm a centrist and Mm -hmm. you just anybody anytime anybody says that they're a centrist, they immediately get dunked on by everybody in the group because' they're, they're so mad that you don't completely agree with everything they say. And it's usually just like Dante said the loudest in the group that are like that. Most people, I think you know, the average Joe is more than likely a centrist because they don't they don't buy into that kind of same stuff as the loud voices that you see on the internet.
1: Yeah,
0: I think both most people also are kind of like don't like major changes. Yeah. So that kind of like falls into the centrist thing where they're like, you know, this has worked for me. So, you know, there might be things we can tweak. But so we have like 15 minutes left. So do you guys want to talk about the, um, the protest, riot, insertion, whatever you want to call it, um, that happened, I guess, you know, a week ago? Yeah. Um, I don't even yeah, know where I don't even know where to start what do you, what do you guys where do you guys want to start I, <laughs> I just, uh, oh go ahead Steve
2: uh, I just wanted to bring up one little thing I know we're not doing conspiracy That's stuff okay. this week but uh, while we were talking about the stimulus just now it made me think like I haven't seen anybody talking about the stimulus ever since this stuff happened and before that it was every single post you saw at least on on my feed on my Facebook yep. and whatnot I just think it's kind of weird. I know we're not doing conspiracies, but...
0: No, I know. I'm not saying this, that isn't because of Trump, but it's like, that's totally a Trump playbook where it's like, he'll do something outrageous to to distract us from important things, which is like exactly what happened here. And he, I'm not saying he did something outrageous, but like, it's the way the media works, the social media especially, where, Mm -hmm. you know, we have something actually we want to talk about and then something insane happens that that's all we talk about for the next, who knows how long we're going to talk about it. Yeah. So, to me, um, I don't I don't even know. It was, like, really hard to, like, comprehend at first what was happening. Like, I know you and I, Stephen, were talking. We were like, texting back and forth at the time. But, like, it was, like, almost at a loss for words where, you know, that's the, you know, we've never seen, for instance, a Confederate flag inside the Capitol. We, like, we, there's people sitting in the vice president's seat. There's people that raided um pelosi's desk and had her their feet on her desk um we saw some some dude like carrying a podium like what the f- <laughs> like i don't even know what the f- fuck was going on where- <laughs> and i feel bad because you know i'm always i'm always down for a good protest but yeah um there it's, was uh, nothing there like that yeah. was
1: the thing that got me where and that's the one thing where i try to tell conservatives or i because i am conservative i try to tell mm-hmm. republicans or trump supporters if you are telling me because the, you know everybody comes out and like we condemn the violence we you know mm-hmm. this, but I'm like if you're telling me that the election was rigged your guy got screwed there's no hope for the future the system is broken the the oligarchs have won everybody's the swamp and there's no hope then like you have to overthrow it through mm-hmm. violence right that's what history teaches us so yeah. you can't say you know that it's all rigged and everything is the swamp and then also say like well we condemn that part and then the other part of that is like, let's say you were saying like, no, we do have to violently overthrow then, then why are you taking pictures for social media at Pelosi's death? Like <laughs> to me it looked like a bunch of it looked like okay, maybe it was started as a protest, but then it looked like just a bunch of children who were upset and were like, We're just gonna mess up stuff. Yeah, I think there's no plan
0: there. Dante last week I was I was saying to Steven that um you know, when when people are comparing it to Black Lives Matter, I know what black lives matter what their end, what they wanted what would be a happy conclusion you know like police reform police held accountable you know social injustices stuff like that addressed where if what was what do you think these people wanted like do they think that the government was just going to be like okay you're right trump's going to be president for four more years like i i don't understand what they what the end goal was kind of do you, do you know like you talk to more conservatives than me? I'm sure. Like, what do you think their end goal was? So I think we have this weird thing on the right and on the
1: left where people try to identify so much with the past that they think they're doing something, but in reality, they're not. So I think a lot of times where you see and people make fun of the like the social justice warriors and the the protesters over the summer. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a bit of an affinity with like the civil rights movement and trying to be like that and mm-hmm. essentially. It was a different time, a different place. You can't do that. I think you see a lot of stuff on the right, too, where, like, I'm a patriot. You know, give me liberty or give me death. And it's like that's not really where we are as a society, but also you're not Thomas Paine, and, you know, Mm -hmm. he's not George Washington, and (laughs) you're not actually going to overturn this election. And then the other thing is also you – this is simply about one man, and to me this is where I I become – like okay, this is idolatry. As somebody who is a Christian, this is where I'm like okay, even if you had a point, I'm out because to me this is this is solely about Trump. This isn't about like well, a certain value or ideal. This is like our guy lost, and yeah. we're going to war for him.
0: Yeah. About that. So these protesters, so their bigger picture, I think, are actually things that a lot of people can relate to. That you know, like you said, the swamp. Like these people are corrupt. These people. You know, they're not doing a service. But what's funny to me is they don't see that Trump is as big as a problem with that as everyone else. Like, I don't understand where they where they see these issues, but then they see Trump and think that he's their sol- the pro- the solution to that issues like he says he is. And they just believe him, even though despite all the evidence that he is doing the same things, at least as well, if not worse than than everyone else. That's where I, it loses me.
2: Yeah, I, I've talked to my family members about it who are um, conservative as well because you know I, I live down here in Texas, so it's kind of hard to not be. But I've talked to them, and a few of them are Trump supporters, and I, I I point out the same thing that Dante just said that it's at this point you're just worshiping a man, and you're not you're not really following the party, you're just following the man, and that's I mean you you preach your Christian values, and this is not this does not go along with it. You don't you it's, don't worship a man
1: it's dangerous yeah it's it's dangerous that you should not i don't care man party to whatever trump wants they will do and it, yeah. it reminds me when he said i i could shoot somebody on fifth avenue and they would
0: mm-hmm. still vote for me <laughs> yeah he's not wrong i know and that's, that's a, crazy he was saying that to say something positive about him when it's actually not positive about him—it's negative about them. Which, and you're—you're you're totally right. That he would—he would get away with that.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I—I I had a question for—I mean, I know Dante. You said you talked to a lot more conservative people. Uh, me and Mike were talking earlier this week. We're texting back and forth, um, just talking about maybe the future of the, specifically the Republican Party. Like the people that you talk to—are they still—are they still backing him, or is it? more shifting towards, okay, who's the next guy?
1: So there, so there's a war right now in the Republican Party. It's a civil war. And I think it's between the tr- Trump supporters or the MAGA, like, anti... Because essentially, in my opinion, I think the, the birth of MAGA was the Tea Party, mm-hmm. where it was you have people who, it's like, we're conservative, but the conservative establishment has failed us. And they didn't listen, the con- establishment didn't listen to that, and that's how you got Trump. Um, you have that wing and then you also have like the Mitch McConnell, Mike Pence, the establishment wing and think more of your traditional Republican, the the Bush, the Romney, that typical what you were, the country club Republican. Mm-hmm. So right now, you I think the party is split. And I think I, I don't know if you talk to like the, the people in Trump's camp or the MAGA people, it's you know we want to start our own party I mean you mentioned Rand Paul um, and I was just reading something the other day where he said like he warned the GOP like there will be a third party split or there will be a party split and you know the this wing of conservatives they they will form their own party and to me you know that would spell doom for the GOP as we know it because mm-hmm. they never win another election again. Yeah
0: Lindsey Gramps did the same thing in- 2016 he said trump will be the death of the republican party who do you guys think if you're just to guess i know it's far away but who do you guys think would be like if you're gonna place a bet right now who do you think would be the top uh candidate in 2024 for the republican party yeah trump yeah really you think so too steven oh i
2: (laughs) i hope not but i honestly i have no idea i don't follow them i i i really don't like either one so i try not to
0: Sure, to, sure. To, to line up. So theoretically, let's just say – so I, you very well could be right. But let's just say he gets removed from office, and then – so if there's, a, if there's a 60% vote to remove him, they can also vote that he can never run again. So let's just say that only needs 51%. So let's just say somehow that happened, which I don't think that they'll get the 60% initially. But if he can't run for office again, do you think – it will be a trumpian figure like one of his kids like Josh Hawley or do you think it will be someone you know more like one of the safer candidates like you said like it probably won't be mitt but somebody like a mitt yeah
1: see i don't think they could i don't think mitt could ever run a republican primary again based on how he dealt with trump cuz you know i was talking to somebody before and they were like trump had his floor as a candidate is maybe the highest floor of anybody he's going to get or somebody like him will get Thirty-two to thirty-five percent of the country. Mm-hmm. So I think it was Mayhar. Shout out to Mayhar. He's in our in our group too. Mm-hmm. So I th- like I agree with that. It, it the question for Trump has always been like, can you close the gap with moderates and people in the middle? I think I don't think Mitt could ever get it. I think he would have to have somebody that kind of like played defense with Trump. I, mm-hmm. I would say if I were the Republican, I would say you want Tim Scott. That's yep. my guy, if I, you know, as somebody who's like, okay, I could vote for him. Um, Senator from from South Carolina, I would say go go that way. Even somebody like Nikki Haley, somebody who was not all the way in on Trump, mm-hmm. but kind of kept their distance and kind of like, I'll praise Trump. Somebody who, how I feel I was, that would call balls and strikes. It's like, okay, he was right about this, but you're wrong about this, Mr. President. Mm-hmm. Somebody, so to where, because you're any republican candidate is going to have to get trump's base it's just gonna otherwise it's not gonna happen for them
0: Yeah, stephen i just realized that the last topic was supposed to be impeachment and i read it as insurgent when i was looking really quick so you guys want to do like <laughs> five to ten quick minutes on I, impeachment
2: i just so, want i just want dante to assure me that ted cruz is not going to be <laughs> the, the candidate
1: please well, he certainly has i mean he certainly is positioning himself to try in a post-trump yeah. world right like yeah he's okay trying to get that base and then hopefully Maybe he, you know, for his sake, he would maybe be able to make it up with moderates. I don't see how that – I don't see how you could take such a strong position on Trump within the GOP and still run later. And so
0: win. speaking about Cruz, speaking about impeachment, so he's a lawyer by trade, and I know that these, like, hearings and stuff, it's not necessarily the court of law, but it's, like, me who doesn't know much, isn't smart, doesn't know lot, like, I feel like I could – pick through his arguments that he's like when he's doing the impeachment thing there's no one pushing back but like the arguments he he's making during these impeachments some of them are so dumb things like like him and jim jordan and matt gates those three i just like it's it's like insulting almost to the american people when like um oh man i'm gonna have to go to stuff i wrote down but um like jim jordan will say things about um you know we, ne- we never condone violence and stuff like that like we don't believe like saying that the black lives matter movement and this and this I don't know what this is called the mega insurgent um, it's the same thing where maybe it is but just because you didn't do anything about the black lives matter doesn't mean you should give this next one a path like you're basically saying we didn't do our job the first time so we're not gonna do our job the second time like it's just so, so disingenuous and like a shitty way to lead and I, I do feel like Jordan's probably the worst one of all of them, but, like, there's so many things during the impeachment that just made me so angry. But he, ha-
2: he has to follow a party line, though, so even if... Uh, yeah. yeah. He's definitely a smart guy, and I'm sure he was a good lawyer, but he has to hit those speaking points in order to keep his base happy. So even if it's not the most intelligent argument, he has to make it in order to keep his voters happy. Yeah,
0: I guess the problem I have is with both sides, like, the talking points are the least thought out part it's like you know it's the thing you can put in a headline the thing you can put in a banner the thing you can put on a you know a party like um campaign speech but like the people that do the party lines on both sides are the ones that i feel like are really not they're they're really disingenuous in my opinion Mm -hmm. um there was there was one guy um oh man what was his name um brian mass he's a republican from i think florida and so he, they they gave him thirty seconds, and he went up there and he said, "If if we think these people are inspired by Trump, why don't we have a single person up here, you know, f- interviewing from the riots?" And then he just he was quiet for the rest of thirty seconds, and then he's like, "I guess you don't have an answer for me." Like first of all, nobody's <laughs> allowed to respond to you for those thirty seconds, so you just wasted everyone's time, and like the multiple people that have been interviewed after, like the. Um, there was a real estate agent woman and the, the Viking guy, they both said, like, oh, I shouldn't get, I feel like you got. I shouldn't get um, criminal acts against me because I felt like I was just doing what the president asked. Like, people did come out and say that, but, like, that that's such a stupid argument by Mass, and then he knew he couldn't get an answer, and then he sit there in silence and thought he, like, proved his point. Like, shit like that, like, I don't understand why these people, like, I don't understand why Jim Jordan is the head of, that judicial committee like is that the best that they can come up with like people that like jim jordan has his own troubled past about like overlooking violence and then he's he's talking about how he can over overlook violence like it's just such bullshit and rant
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah wait for dante because he's he's smarter than me on this
1: (laughs) from so like do politicians seem to be like pro wrestlers at times where they just have to yes. kind of like play a character to make the their wing of the crowd go crazy, right? Yes. So like if you got like a villain, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because like if you can't honestly say like, oh, those guys on the left have a good point or oh, those guys on the right, like you're not a real person. So when mm-hmm. I see Ted Cruz and it's like, I mean, and this is mind boggling because not even five years ago. Trump called Ted Cruz's wife ugly. And <laughs> yeah. also like he disrespected his wife, but then he also like brought up the conspiracy that he had something to do with his Ted Cruz's father killing JFK. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is nuts. And like now Cruz is his most staunch supporter. Even after, remember at the Republican convention in uh sixteen, Ted Cruz kinda like Hey, vote your values. I'm not saying vote for Trump. I'm not saying don't. But like it was like, oh, Ted Cruz, maybe he has a spine. Like he's gonna, mm-hmm. he's gonna stand up and say like, no, I don't like this guy. Still, whatever. And then to like fast forward to now, where it's like, wow, Ted Cruz is like he's leading the MAGA army. He's like second in command, even more so than say somebody like Pence. Yeah, it's baffling to me. But I, I think like when you see him or Jim Jordan, it, it's kind of like we're just we're playing to the base here that's how i always view it
0: you know we were all kids and real young when the clinton impeachment happened so i i wish i had a a frame of reference of what it would be like you know with the the tables turned but obviously trump's been in power for the last two impeachments so it's been pretty like one-sided accusatory and one side defensive where you know i'd be interested to see what it was like during the clinton thing because i'm sure it was it was just the same um but i yeah you're right when you say like uh wrestling character like he's
2: talking my language now <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah absolutely I, I
2: mean i i don't know if y'all remember during the the 2016 election when and it was down to trump and hillary and they were just going back and forth at each other and how many times i mean i i personally saw so many pictures of the trumps and the clintons and the bushes all hanging out together yep. and meanwhile the trump's on stage calling her crooked hillary
0: and yeah didn't he go to their wedding or vice versa yeah yep they yeah his wedding, yep. they're all and friends they're all friends with epstein yeah, yeah. yep oh well, well. Yeah. <laughs> but, well
1: you know, like nobody wants to talk about that anymore huh mm-hmm. yeah. yeah
2: yeah that went away real quick
0: so what do you guys think this is like a huge big picture question what do you think is the best step going forward like do you think it would be in the country's best interest to this for the senate to impeach him and make it so he can't run again just impeach him but let him run again or just not a Kamala tiebreaker it it's probably leaning towards impeachment because it does seem like there's like at least seven or eight that might um on the right that might vote for impeachment what do you what do you guys think is the best thing for the country to do
1: dante i'll let you take this one so as where we are i don't even i don't think it's actually gonna get to that point because it's not gonna go to the floor until the 19th mcconnell's Mm -hmm. not bringing anybody back so then they would i mean they really don't have any time but they
0: they, they're still gonna vote on whether post Posthumously or whatever the word oh, is, they are. Oh, you. You. yeah. So the the they can they can vote. It's happened once before to a senator that they can vote after stones removed to impeach them because it it like legally it has different things and um, it affects like like I said they they add things onto it like if he can run again if he loses certain benefits if like secret service stuff like that all sorts of weird things. So so they are still gonna vote and there is you know there's an argument that people make that it will ratif- uh, radicalize them even more on the yep. on the right but yeah. at the same time isn't that to an extent like giving into if if you're not doing something because of the way that the people acted at the capitol isn't that almost like negotiating with terrorists in a way but at the on, but, I, but i see both sides where it's like you like i don't know there's american citizens that need their voice heard but so i don't know i'm just ranting what do you guys think is the best course to take
1: so the thing for me is, like, there were 75 million people that voted for this mm-hmm. guy. And I, I the, the crazy thing is, is I think that both the country and the Republican Party should turn the page.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the I, best
1: way to do that? I have no idea, to be Fair honest <laughs> with you. Because it's like, if you remove him, sure, he can't run again. But let's not even say, because se- I, I think, like, 70, you know, let's say 30% of his base is not, like, super pro-Trump. They're just, like... I just like tax cuts, man. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I think there's... They like his policies more than they like Biden's policies. Exactly. And so it's like maybe 30 million are like that. But then I think think you do have like 20 million who are like, I'm ready to die for this. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't... I could see that going really badly. But then it's also kind of like, should we just forget this ever happened? And I I don't know how you could do that. But like, let's just wipe the slate clean. He Mm -hmm. goes away. But he won't go away because he's if if he can run again legally he will in 2024 so
0: if if they get the 60 percent and then they vote that he can't hold public office again do you think there would still be as many people like that might try to violently make a statement i don't want to say overthrow but like if they know he can't run again will they still fight for him as much do you think that they in their mind there's a scenario where they'll their force will be able to make it so Trump will just, you know, be a dictator forever?
1: I think they would see it as once – I think in their mind they would see it once again as these – we are a – margin. they believe that they are a marginalized people. Right. And yeah. that Trump was – one of the last hopes I've been sitting around this video where it was like a guy who called into Rush Limbaugh and he was a grown man and a father and he was crying because he was like, nobody in the Republican party and nobody cares about me. I'm a working class, just a regular white guy and everybody hates us. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was kind of funny. I'm like this grown man saying that only Rush Limbaugh and Trump have his back, but <laughs> he really believes that. Yeah. And so I think it would be kind of like the last straw where like, there was only one person who was willing to stand up for me and they screwed him over.
0: Do you guys think he actually stands up for them? No, he's he's like
2: any other politician. They don't. So uh, on the one end, the guy is ridiculous because he's claiming because he's a white guy working class that nobody cares about him. It's not that (laughs) it's that he's a private citizen. So Mm -hmm. therefore the politicians don't care about him. They don't, in my eyes, they don't, they don't enforce policy or create policies in order to help average Joe. They mm-hmm. they do the things, as I've discussed on here before, in order to keep themselves in office and in order to
0: line their pockets.
1: So why... That is what, 100% true.
0: Why do you guys think that they believe he's the last person fighting for him? Just his rhetoric? Because he tells them, yeah. That's what he
1: tells them. And then, so they believe that they've lost the country, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So when you look into, like, you know jobs going overseas that's one thing then you look at like the swamp in washington that's another thing then i mean here's another thing the country is turning brown and black like mm-hmm. that's another thing like mm-hmm. there is a lot of change going on and people who you know a lot of people don't know how to deal with it they think people are coming for their rights right or wrong right mm-hmm. uh, gun rights um freedom of speech right like they believe that everything is now stacked against him and trump essentially that's how he won was to galvanize that anger and say get out and vote for me right it was the same thing kind of like what we saw with the tea party where it's like you guys are too far to the establishment we need to go backwards and they look at trump as like he was the last guy
0: but after four years of him not basically living up to his promises it's just it's so it's so shocking to me that they they still feel that way because i mean i totally understand like believing in somebody and giving them a chance but he did nothing to keep there besides him like i guess even when he was in power he was playing the victim like he didn't have the power to make these changes when he kind of did
2: but that's every president though everybody no i know
0: but like i don't know i like obviously it is every president and i i'm i was a big fan of obama but i know he did some things badly like not everything was perfect under his watch like you know just the censorship with internet stuff like he made a lot of mistakes and that that yeah. came back to bite us now but like it's i don't know it's to the point where you believe is when is time to move on to when like will they ever would there ever be a point where they would how many years would it take that of him not helping them till they realize that he wasn't trying to help them like us three are rational that we can see when people are helping us and not i don't feel like this, his supporters are at that point yeah,
2: I'd say give it a couple of years. All these things pass. I mean, he's he's gonna have them fired up for a little bit, and then once he's he's out of the daily spotlight as the president, they're gonna eventually just give up because well, he can't he can't actually do anything for him at that point.
0: So how old how old are your kids? Eight. Okay, so um, let's just say when she in thirty years when she's thirty eight, let's just pretend she's a teacher. Um, what what do you think like? at at 38 year old self how do you think they look back on this four-year span
2: uh i mean probably like how we see nixon now i would imagine yeah you think so yeah i mean it's the the little thing like the the storming of the capitol yeah that was a big deal i mean it's a big deal right now but in 30 years nobody's gonna even think about that it's not gonna be a big deal do you
0: think like as a whole we're gonna like look back at this time negatively or do you think it's still gonna be just as split or like do you think it's gonna be like five percent still very positive and the rest is like negative
1: that's interesting I, I don't it depends i think it depends on where the country is at that point yeah that's I, true I, that's really interesting
0: yeah that's very true i mean we could go anywhere in the next 30 years so that's true <laughs> <laughs> i
2: mean it, i think a lot of it hinges on what goes on these next you know i'd say five to ten years how our country reacts to a lot of the stuff that's been going on. As I mean, I've even th- been thinking about this lately, how it seems like a lot of our society is more geared towards the negative. Like, if you go on social oh, yeah. media, it's the the memes or in the videos and TikToks and stuff are always – they always have kind of like a negative connotation about how mm-hmm. awful – how terrible life is, how it's, – it's just people complaining and wanting chicken
0: nuggets. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. I could go for some chicken nuggets right now. <laughs> um, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? Because we're we're about we're went over a little over time because I messed up the subjects. No, that's uh, all right. But anything else you guys want to touch on?
1: Um, well, we could can't can't do wait it for spring training. Honestly, yeah. That's oh, yeah. The, I mean, we talked baseball a little bit earlier, but I, I can't wait for spring training. You're gonna have fans
2: so, at the games too.
1: Yeah, I, I hope and pray. Don't you guys? Don't you guys miss going to the ballpark? That's, that's what like I. The
2: thing I miss the most. That's what I do every year for my birthday. My wife has it easy because she didn't have to find out what to get me for my birthday that year. It's just she has to buy me tickets to the Astros game. Nice. So we'll yeah. definitely. I mean, I'm I'm almost positive we'll have it down here because we already have fans at the football games. So I'm sure we'll have them here. I don't know what it's gonna look like for y'all,
0: but. Yeah, like my one of my bucket list things, like maybe my only bucket list thing is like to go to like every ballpark right. and in my life. Yeah, me so too. I'll have to we'll have to like if, if games open back up and people travel whenever year that is, hopefully like overstate is still a thing so everyone can like go to ballparks and meet people <laughs> that live in those uh, in those cities and stuff. Yeah. So Dante, why don't you uh one more time tell us where people can find your work?
1: Absolutely. So on all platforms it's called the Outlaws Radio Show. Um, and then also the podcast about everything. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the same place, t- at the same name, I should say, T-A-E-B-R-Y-E, Tay Bry. And you can find me on Facebook uh, just by my name, Dante, D-A-N-T-E, last name Bry,
0: B-R-Y-E. And then, Stephen, you are... Not on anything. Well, no, you started, <laughs> you launched a second podcast, kind of starting last week, but I think is this is the first week that's going to be like the official... Um... Oh, Yeah.
2: Yeah, me and uh, Reef, who was on last week during the bonus episode where we got hammered and talked about the basically our year-in-review of sports, we're gonna start doing a podcast every week about kind of it's gonna kind of be a free-flowing sports discussion because um, he and I can basically just go back and forth about everything. It's not necessarily gonna stick just to sports. We'll probably talk about life stuff and things that are going on in our lives just because we're just stick closed. to
0: sports. That's <laughs> what they always. <laughs>
2: I know, I know, but w- if you listen to the one last week, we kind of it was like a rapid fire all over the place. We went from football to basketball to soccer to golf to basically every, everything that happened this year. So, we will we're it's it's going to be a drinking podcast. So we'll be doing that. Um, so forgive us if we say some stupid stuff, and our and <laughs> our, <laughs> our predictions and opinions aren't always right.
0: So look for that, um, and then. You know, listen to this, listen to my podcast, the Michael Lavery Podcast. I do that rarely, but I do it sometimes. Um but it's a good talk guys. Thanks for uh thanks for taking the time to chat.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. Oh, and look for Drunk Dad Sports. That's gonna be the name of the oh, yeah. podcast. But well, I will uh, I will post about it in the overstated oh, group nice. and and then uh we'll uh we'll talk about it further there. All right. Appreciate okay. it guys. Later. See ya.